0: Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at Godsolutionshow.com. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God, and God's answers to humanity's questions. I'm Nate, and I am so glad to be back with you again today. Just got home from an incredible trip to Guatemala. Hadn't been there in 30 years, but just had a wonderful time with the people of Guatemala. Got to stay for a week right below a live volcano. We saw the plume every day, and we actually saw lava at night. It was exhilarating and it was really special to be able to help encourage the missionary group there how to share their faith. And that's really what I want to come back to today, is doing a good job of sharing our faith. And part of that involves being sharp on our apologetics, and I'll review a little bit of that today, but it involves something that I think really we really need to get right, and that's We have to be critical thinkers, because when we aren't critical thinkers, it erodes our credibility with the world that is lost and needs to hear the gospel. Let's be honest. If I tell you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that the gospel is such and such, and that God changed my life, but then I tell you something that is patently false— you're going to connect the dots, and the credibility for the gospel is going to crash and burn with the fib that I just told. That's kind of the way people are going to perceive us. So if I'm out there repeating and telling people lots of bogus claims, they're going to connect that with the gospel I'm also sharing. I think it's critical that we share the gospel. We don't validate the gospel. The gospel alone is the power of God unto salvation, Jesus validated the gospel at the cross, but I want to encourage you not to invalidate what you're telling people by a lack of critical thinking, and Christians do this all the time. Okay, so why am I talking about this today? Well, you probably all have heard of the Planet X or Nibiru conspiracy and the end of the world that was foretold for September 23rd, uh Meade has been proposing this end of the world conspiracy and the rapture happening supposedly on September 23rd and the end of the world beginning and all this sort of stuff and I hate to tell you this but people that I love dearly that should know better fell hook line and sinker for this baloney I mean they went all in on it and I think that uh just watching some of what they put online it really eroded their credibility for the gospel, and I'm even talking ministry people put this stuff all over Facebook and social media, and it really, 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 I think, did irreversible damage to their ministry, because now the same people that are listening to them about the gospel are going, well, you fell for that baloney, why should I trust you about the gospel? Anyway, you probably heard it too, there was an article in Fox News about September 21st or September 22nd, talking about the supposed prediction of the end of the world beginning on September 23rd? Well, as you guessed it, we're still here. I debated doing a show on it before September 23rd, and to be honest and frank, this happens so often that I don't even like to deal with these things. Let me just tell you my rule of life. If somebody says, Jesus is coming back at X time, or the rapture is happening at X time, or the end of the world will begin at X time— Don't believe it. (laughs) Just write them off as kooks and leave it alone. I implore you, you will do a lot to protect your credibility by having a high standard of what you're willing to fall for. That being said, a lot of these predictions, they always have second predictions because the first predictions don't happen. So, of course, Meade, when the September 23rd prediction fell through, he came out and said, Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't really mean September 23rd. I meant October 15th. Well, that's coming right up. So I figured, let's take the show. We'll deal with it. If he's going to keep bringing it up, we'll deal with it, okay? So I thought, let's deal with this conspiracy theory, this outlandish theory, but let's deal with it within the broader framework of critical thinking. I think it is imperative that we as Christians become critical thinkers. So let me just tell you a little bit how this usually goes. And You've probably been all too familiar with this kind of thing in the past, too. Somebody says, Jesus is coming back. Well, you know Jesus is not coming back until you see him come down from the sky to Jerusalem. In Matthew 24, we're told that the whole world will see this. Of course, that was prophetic of live television, which at that time was impossible, but now everyone worldwide could see one event just like that. We know that you will see Jesus just like he returned to heaven in Acts 1, coming back to earth in that same way from the sky. When you see that, you'll know it's Jesus. Until that time, the people claiming to be Jesus are absolutely full of it. And most of us know that. That's not what gets most Christians. What gets a lot of Christians are the predictions. Jesus will come back amount of months from now x amount of days from now on this date or that date or the rapture will happen on such and such a date look guys we're told in scripture we're not going to know the date or the hour so i think it's important to kind of own that and not be so fixed on trying to find what it is when we do fall for these predictions and they inevitably go wrong and they always have people have to come up with second predictions And typically, it doesn't go so well. Charles Russell began the Jehovah's Witnesses, a cult. And it really began out of all these failed predictions. And finally, he said, look, Jesus did come back. He's in New York, and guess what? He's at our headquarters, and he came back spiritually, so you just can't see him. Total garbage. But there are people across the planet that actually believe him. So these predictions, they often lead to false doctrine and and cults. Uh, The Mormons were other examples. Woodruff and the Mormons did the same thing. Rowan and the Seventh-day Adventists did the same thing in 1925. Jim Jones did the same thing in 1967. Uh, It's not just fringe branches of Christianity or cults that do this, but there are even mainstream Christians that really destroy their credibility doing this pat robertson in 76 and 2007 was another example of a christian a legitimate christian that really eroded his own credibility with these kinds of predictions more recently you probably remember hearing of harold camping back in 2011 and 2012 predicting the end of the earth of course it didn't happen either of those times i remember telling people it's not going to happen don't believe it i remember hearing of people then that totally bought it hook line and sinker And here we are again, five years later, and people are falling for it all over. I promise you, there is a predictable cycle of every four or five years, someone figuring out some mathematical code that means that the end is upon us, that the rapture is almost here, that the second coming is coming any moment now. Of course, we all know that Jesus could come back for his church at any moment. But the reality is that when we start predicting those things, we get into very troubling water and we quickly erode our own credibility. You guys, that's not the only way Christians erode their credibility. I think jumping on these um, predicting the end bandwagons is one way to erode your credibility, but there are others too. I shudder to think that I even have to mention this, but there are many Christians that are buying into this flat earth garbage. I've talked to them, I've talked to three this year alone that have totally bought into the concept that this earth is flat and that, I mean, it's just insane, it's crazy. When people talk about that stuff and they try to convince all their friends that the earth is flat, their fairly intellectual friends associate that with the same gospel that they've been sharing and they burn their credibility with the gospel, You know, people do this with bad apologetics. You've probably seen Facebook posts or heard friends talking about the chariot wheels found in the Red Sea or the eyewitness account of Jesus. I don't know if you caught that one, but of course there are eyewitness accounts of Jesus. They're called the Gospels, but they're was this account that was making the rounds on Facebook of a wine merchant that happened to be in the area that saw Jesus with his eyes and wrote it down on leather and that this was just found by archaeologists and everybody was going crazy about this first-person eyewitness account of Jesus. It was a total, complete hoax, but I had friends that are in ministry posting this on Facebook without taking five minutes to check the accuracy of that. Uh, Of course, I... I googled it and right there on Snopes is the whole deal. It's just a complete, uh, joke. It's, it's actually nothing but a, a joke and a lot of Christians fell for it. So don't fall for bad apologetics. Don't fall for conspiracy theories like the flat earth theory or the Nibiru or Planet X colliding with Earth conspiracy theory. You know, a lot of Christians also get into a lot of trouble by putting their American interpretations onto the text, thinking, for example, there's only one way to read a text that's 4,000 years old. I mean, I've lived in about eight different countries on four continents. I speak three languages And if there's one thing I know, it's that when you go to a different country with a different culture with a different language, I can't just do a word for word translation from that language and think I'm the expert on it because my English rendering of what was said is the final word on it. That happens all the time with Christians and their view of many different things in the Bible. They don't spend 10 seconds to look at what the culture was. They don't spend 10 seconds to look at the historical elements at play, the cultural context, the linguistics. They don't even care. My American interpretation is the final word on this. You guys, people get into trouble doing this with genealogies in the Old Testament. They don't understand what begat meant. They don't understand how father and son were used in those cultures. They don't even understand how genealogies were done in those cultures. Uh, side note, Paul twice says, Don't argue about genealogies. And there's a reason he said that. We can't just take our American view and force it on the text. When we do that, we get into serious trouble, and we can burn our own credibility with the thing that really matters, the gospel. Now, talking about the gospel, I don't want to step on any toes, but a lot of my friends got into this gospel in the stars thing. I wanted to post on Facebook to remember the gospel in the gospel. (laughs) We don't need a gospel in the stars. The gospel's in the gospel, and that's good enough. In fact, the second that I start trying to paint this gospel in the stars picture, I've lost everyone. I mean, frankly, who the heck even knows the names of all these constellations and the stars and the positions and where they're at and when they're there? That's nothing but confusing. Even if the gospel was clearly portrayed in the stars, why not just share the gospel instead of confusing people with all these names and all these constellations and all these things that don't do anything to make the gospel clearer they do nothing but complicate it that being said there is no gospel in the stars there's a great article on this by Dr Danny Faulkner at Answers in Genesis it's titled A Further Examination of the Gospel in the Stars. Again, the title A Further Examination of the Gospel in the Stars by Dr. Danny Faulkner. If you Google Faulkner, F A U L K N E R, and Gospel in the Stars, you'll find the article. But he goes through it in depth, talking about how all the arguments of the Gospel in the Stars, folks, are absolute assumptions and stretches and oversights that absolutely butcher the astronomical data they get it flat wrong and sometimes not accidentally they actually intentionally manipulate the astronomical data to make it fit this narrative that they're trying to teach he makes a good point that they really are Going into the same error as the Gnostics, that there's this secret knowledge out there, that we have to find the secret knowledge, which is absurd. Everything God intended for us to have is right in His Word. We don't need the secret knowledge of the constellations. I mean, even secular people called this Christian astrology. A Fox News reporter called this Christian astrology. Um, one of the signs of false teachers is that they bring the way into disrepute. And that's what this did. Even non-Christians were looking at Christians that were uh, proposing this stuff and saying, it's nothing but astrology. I mean, could you imagine? We have the greatest news that this world has ever heard, backed up by solid evidence that cannot be refuted, and we're, we're flipping all that upside down to try and make a case from the stars that's a shaky case at best, and that even secular people call astrology. It's absurd. We just need to stick to the gospel and the gospel. We don't need to go to the gospel and the stars. The bottom line I'm trying to make here is that Christians oftentimes, and it is sad, but they are so quick to jump on all these fringe out there ideas and to run with them without any critical thinking whatsoever. And when they do this, they erode their own credibility as a witness for Christ. So here is my challenge to you, and we're going to jump into this a little bit for the second half of the show. My challenge is don't go there. Listen, you're called to be a critical thinker for Christ, and apologetics is a way that we share real evidence with people. We don't get ourselves in trouble by sharing fake evidence or fake news with people. With all the fake news accusations out there, let's not connect the gospel with fake news. Let's be sharp enough to let the gospel stand as the power of God without eroding the credibility for the gospel with all these outlandish conspiracy theories. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution. You can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. And we're talking about critical thinking. I've spent the last few minutes talking about some of the outlandish conspiracy theories that Christians are unfortunately too quick to buy into. Things like Planet X and Nibiru and all these crazy ideas of predicting the exact day of the second coming and the flat earth theory and bad apologetics like chariot wheels and the Red Sea that there are photographs of and American interpretations of the text and the gospel and the stars and all these different things that Christians Unfortunately, are quick to get focused on rather than on Christ and the simplicity of the gospel. Having told you about some of the ways that Christians erode their credibility for ministry by jumping on these conspiracy theory bandwagons, I want to go back to scripture and then I want to end with some tips for how to make sure that you are a critical thinker as a Christian. So let's look at scripture. Jesus very famously told his disciples to be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. We as Christians are called to be innocent in our approach to people, to be gentle, to be kind, to be caring, to be authentic, but we are also called to be shrewd and wise and knowledgeable. It is important that we don't come across to people as ignorant because people will connect our ignorance with the gospel, and that is wrong. So Jesus said to be as wise as serpents. You know, he also said that the most important command was to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The mind is a big part of that command. It is not okay to just cultivate this anemic Christian walk where we praise God, that's good, but it ends with an awesome and exciting and exhilarating praise service at church on sunday we are called to love god with all of our mind using the incredible mind that he has given us to learn and to grow and to become more like him remember what paul told the philippians in 1 9 that he wanted their love for god to grow in knowledge he didn't want them just to be these brainless uh kind of drone followers, but he wanted them to grow in their knowledge of the Lord as well. We are called to cultivate our love for God in intellectual ways, as well as in heart ways, soul ways, and strength ways. You know, we're told in 1 Corinthians 2 that God has given us the mind and thinking of Christ. We have God's own mind and thinking. We need to exercise it. God is not easily duped. He's not duped at all. So we should be the last people on the earth to be easily duped. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. So when I hear things like, the earth is flat, I need to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I need to take it back to scripture. What does scripture say? I need to take it back to what's most important, the gospel itself. When I hear about planet X colliding with the earth, I need to realize There is nothing good that will come out of that. I just need to stick to the things that matter most, the gospel. You guys, the entire book of Proverbs is focused on knowledge and wisdom. We need to read that. We need to absorb that. We need to be committed to loving God with all of our minds, and we need to be committed to being critical thinkers as Christians. It is critical. We can't just... Uh, Throw whatever out there and hope something sticks and not be worried about the consequences of being found out to be totally off base. We need to be good critical thinkers. Okay, so I've shared some scripture with you. I kind of want to take a little bit of time to close out the show talking about some ways that you can be a good critical thinker. Well, in Seminary at Liberty... I remember a an article that we had to read called Fine-Tune Your Baloney Detector. And it was a great encouragement. And the premise was, there's a whole lot of baloney out there, and Christians are quick to believe it. You guys, it's exactly what I'm telling you now. And the charge of the article was to fine-tune your baloney detector. Here's a good way to do that. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. We don't need more evidence than we have. The evidence that we have for the gospel, for the message that we share with others, is irrefutable. We don't need all these other outlandish things. So let's stay away from those outlandish things. If something sounds too good to be true, check it before you repeat it. If you hear, hey, there's this wine merchant that wrote down an eyewitness account of seeing Jesus raise a dead girl or something like that, you might just spend five minutes to Google it and to see if that is legit. You'll probably find 99% of the time that it's not. Okay, I want to make a, a note right there. There are eyewitness accounts of Jesus. We have them in the New Testament. They're called the Gospels. They are called the Epistles. There are people that wrote for us with eyewitness testimony what they saw. So um I don't need this Facebook post about this wine merchant that saw it i have it in the new testament do you get what i'm saying i hope you i hope you grasp this don't pin the gospel on this fictitious story making the rounds on facebook stick to the new testament the real eyewitness accounts if you want some evidence that the new testament involves eyewitness testimony you should really read richard bockham's jesus and the eyewitnesses or just go to godsolutionshow.com and check out our interview with Richard Bacham on that topic. Okay, so the number one way to um, make sure that you're thinking critically is to fine-tune your baloney detector. Don't fall for anything. Next, stick to solid arguments. I already mentioned this a minute ago, but the arguments that we have are solid. So stick to them. We should not get off track from them. Go to thebestfacts.com again, thebestfacts.com, or get the best facts at Amazon, the workbook, or go to GodSolutionShow.com and check out some of our best facts shows. The best facts is an acronym that I put together so that you could remember a coherent defense of your faith. The best acronym stands for why we know God exists. Well, of course, as Christians, He's Changed our lives so we know he exists. But there are good arguments that you could share with others. B, the beginning of the universe. E, the engineering of the universe. S, standards and morality. And T, the truth about Jesus are all good arguments for God's existence. Why believe the Bible? F, it foretells the future. A, it's archaeologically accurate. C, it's coherent. T, it's translated correctly. And S, there's science in the Bible. Those things uh, really show us that we can trust what the Bible says. Somebody might say, well, why not believe other religions? Well, we have the Tall Tales acronym. The Tall acronym explains why we can reject other religions, because of their theological incoherence, their ambiguous truth claims, their lack of evidence, and their lack of power to change lives. And the Tales acronym tells us why we can reject evolution. The transitionary evidence is lacking, the apparatus or mechanism is insufficient, life doesn't come from non-life, The existence of information is naturalistically inexplicable, and as so is the start of the universe. You guys, those are solid arguments, and if we stick to them, we're not going to go wrong. But here's the deal. An unconvinced apologist is unconvincing. So the more we go around with these weak, easily refutable arguments, we burn our own credibility. So stick to the solid arguments. Again, go to thebestfacts.com to get the workbook, to get more information, and memorize those acronyms so that you don't get stuck on the wrong side of the critical thinking spectrum. Okay, number three, don't be dogmatic about one questionable interpretation. There are people that will fight to the death on things like the age of the earth. Those people need to get a reality check. There are different interpretations from biblical scholars that believe in the inerrancy of Scripture on that. We need to stick to the gospel. I am never, as long as I live, going to put the age of the earth between somebody and Jesus. And none of us should make that an argument that we go to before the gospel or before the apologetics that confirms the reliability of the Bible. When we do that, we burn our own cause. Ken Ham says 80% of kids leave the faith because of the age of the earth question. Well, maybe we shouldn't make that the first thing that we go to. Let's talk about the reliability of Scripture. Let's talk about the scientific evidence for the existence of God. Let's talk about the logical arguments for the existence of God. Let's talk about the historical evidence for the resurrection. You name it, there are good arguments to go to. Let's not pigeonhole ourselves into one questionable interpretation. Number four, research. Do your homework. Again, unconvinced apologists are unconvincing. Don't just repeat whatever you find on whatever random website your random friend told you to go visit. Do some homework. Read some book. This is the golden age of Christian apologetics. There are so many great resources out there. Dive into them and learn what there is to be learned out there. I just got to encourage you, go to coldcasechristianity.com. It's a great first step in your apologetical journey. Okay, number five, please keep the main thing the main thing. We always talk about that. Planet Nibiru is not the main thing. So let's stick to the main thing Jesus and the gospel. That brings me to six. Keep your apologetics Jesus focused. Don't make your apologetics Age of the Earth focused. Don't make your apologetics Chariot Wheels in the Red Sea focused. Make your apologetics Jesus focused. The historical evidence for Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection is irrefutable. Let's let's bank on that and go strong on that instead of on all these side issues that are not so strong. So keep your apologetics Jesus-focused. Seven, keep your apologetics gospel-centered. We don't want to get into a million different tangents. We want to keep the gospel first and foremost— I've talked to people that say, look, I can't believe the Bible because uh, of Noah's flood. It's just hard for me to swallow. And you know what I tell them? Well, don't even worry about that right now. Come back to that later. That's a discipleship issue. Right now, can you refute the evidence for Jesus? If you can't, then follow Jesus and then figure that whole flood thing out later. But come to Jesus and realize that you're a sinner that needs salvation. You guys, we need to keep our apologetics gospel-centered. We have to. Okay, I want to encourage you to keep it big picture. Number eight, make sure that you have a big-picture approach to apologetics. This is critical. Remember, There are good philosophical arguments. There are good scientific arguments. There are good historical arguments. There are good archaeological arguments. Use solid arguments from all these different spheres to paint a comprehensive case for your faith. I think that's important. Number nine, live it. So many people destroy their gospel presentation with lives full of hypocrisy. Don't go there. And number 10, the most important way to be a critical thinker, be Bible-focused. I save this for the end, so it'd be the last thing on your mind as I close out the show. Make God's word your foundation. Guys, I wish I had all morning to talk to you, but you know, I gotta wrap it up. Jesus says that you are a sinner that is dearly loved by God and that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, and that if you'll believe in him, you will be saved. If you've never taken that step, I encourage you to do it right now, to say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Please be my Savior and Lord. If you took that step, let us know about it. You can do that at godsolutionshow.com while you're there. Uh, Prayerfully consider donating to keep the show going, and check out all of our past shows. Well, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. I hope that you'll take what you learned today on the show and be determined to be critical thinkers as you share the greatest news that this world has ever heard. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at godsolutionshow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of the God Solution.